it's hard to kind of break in to there, but you know, it's important that um, it says we enter his courts, or his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise, and then we worship, and we try to do that, that third song kind of straight up, where it's like, you know, the first two songs are like, hey, you're here, we're here, this is awesome, or kind of sideways, you know, we're just like, yeah, and then that third song is like, hey, I don't care about you anymore, I care about you, God, I do care about you. But it's like when that expression on worship comes and it's just straight up to Jesus. Isn't that powerful? And then it's important that we come back to the word of God and we hear the Lord speak to us so that we have something to respond to. And uh, we're going to give you a chance to respond in the fourth song as well. I'm Pastor Corey, by the way. If, you, if we haven't met, come and uh, meet us. We'd love to meet you. My wife, Erin, and I, we, uh, we planted the church about five years ago. Can, can I do something? Um, can I just do something here? I, I, I planned it, but nobody knew that I planned it. Um, when we came here five years ago, because we get, you know, some credit for like, hey, you started the church, that's great. I'm like, we came with a team of people. And if you came with us uh, and started this church, can you, can you stand to your feet right now? I want to honor you in front of everybody because like, we, thank you. Thanks, Sean. Thank you for coming. Thank you for following the call of God and for being faithful because our team, I mean, you know, you join the dream team now, and we'll give you some work to do. But back then, it was like, when you join the dream team, you had like five jobs. And like, you had to like, you had like, go down and now you'd be running a camera. And then you'd have to come back and run that while somebody took that over, you know, who came from the kids ministry or something. And so uh, thank you guys. And thank you team for, um, for paying the price. You know, I heard a story, uh, who's been to Hawaii? I haven't been there yet. My wife has somehow been there without me. So that's weird. Um, you got, are you guys going to help me preach a little bit? You guys got to like interact with me a little or I'll just keep talking. Um, and so uh, a friend of mine just got back from Hawaii and you know what he said? Uh, th they were getting a tour through, I can't remember what because I wasn't paying attention, but I, I did listen to this part. He said the tour guide was talking about this, the vegetation there and, um, and they're like, what are these plants called? And they said, we call these the um, missionary thorns. Um, and I guess when the missionaries came to Hawaii... They, they were so bothered that the Hawaiians, because in their culture, they wouldn't wear shoes, right? And so they were so, we wear shoes here because it just kind of makes sense and nobody walks around outside and it gets cold, right? So, but they would, they would um, the Hawaiians, it would alarm the missionaries that they would come to church without shoes on. And they, they didn't like that. They didn't think that that was proper, even though that, that was their culture. And they didn't think that was proper. So, so the missionaries imported and, and planted thorns around the churches to make sure that people wore shoes to church. And the group of people that came with us, we took thorns out. We took the thorns out and we're like, hey, just come, you can belong before you believe and just come to church and meet Jesus and just let, let Jesus do the heavy lifting. Don't be worried, if you're new at church here, by the way, we're not gonna rag on you for being sinful because we are too. And so just relax a little bit. We let the Lord do the heavy lifting. So sometimes people are worried like, well, what if I bring my friend and they're all worried about it? I'm like, all we say is what Jesus said was like, come and see, come and see for yourself. If you can leave here unchanged, like, I don't know, like, but there were, we were so um, intent on just bringing the presence of the Lord here that we think that uh, that relationship with God is an actual experience and it's an actual relationship where God actually becomes your God and starts speaking to you. And you know, the early church, we, we don't say like, um, we're not a religion. We're like, hey, if you follow these rules and if you believe what we believe, then you become saved. No, you become saved because you know Jesus. 
And the early church was like persecuted because they were just speaking about the things that they had heard and they had met the resurrected Jesus. And you can too. And we just want to open that door for you. In fact, I'll give you an opportunity to respond at the end of the, the service here. Um, but thank you team for coming and removing thorns uh, that were keeping people from getting to church in whatever state that they would come in. So thank you uh, team for seeing what God saw um, when you guys came. Um, today I'm going to be talking about the prodigal son. Uh, if you're new to church and you don't know what that means because you didn't grow up in, uh, in Sunday school, like, don't worry about that. We'll catch you up. Um, start reading your Bible, though, and we'll don't just start reading, like, in Leviticus. All the church people are like, oh, no, my goodness, no, don't start in Leviticus. We'll, we'll help you, uh, disciple you there, and we'll, we'll show you what's, uh, where to, it's good to start in the Gospels, I would say, about the life of Jesus. Now, the Gospels are four stories about the, about the same person, so... Uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle, he read through all the four Gospels, and he didn't understand. He thought that they were separate accounts, and they're like, and they come around, and they crucify Jesus again, and he's like, and they didn't see this coming? <laughs> it's all about the same story. It's just four parallel accounts. Um, Isaiah records by the Holy Spirit, 700 years before Christ, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him. Uh, him who was to come, the sins of us all. All we like sheep. The Holy Spirit is comparing us to sheep. My sermon today is of pigs and of sheep because the prodigal ends up in the pig pen. And sometimes we're a bit piggish and sometimes we're a bit sheepish. And uh, you're going to like the sermon or your feelings are going to be hurt and you're never going to come back. But anyways, we love you. There's lots of great churches in town. Thanks, Sean. Um, now, if I can talk about the human condition a little bit, I am going to compare the human condition to a pig pen. Um, so, so pigs input food, right? I got to do this and be all churchy. Pigs input food and then output stuff, right? I feel like that's all I'm allowed to say, stuff. So they output stuff into the pig pen and into the pig sty. Does that make sense? Are you still hung up on like the human condition being a little piggish sometimes? You've never been in a 13 year old boy's hockey dressing room. No, you haven't. That's why you're like, oh, you're still offended. I'm like, no, if you would go into a 13 year old boy's hockey dressing room. When we used to play hockey, guys, you don't know this. We never used to uh, clean our gear. We would never wash it. I mean, did you wash it? I never grew up washing gear, right? So you get in there with a bunch of 13 year old boys who have learned how to sweat. And you would get, you would climb into hockey gear. First, the stench was overwhelming, but because we lived in our own filth anyways. If you don't have teenage boys, I feel like nobody here's had a teenage boy. You haven't had the deodorant talk. Like you can't just deodorant. You have to shower. Like, you can't just like add deodorant. Like you, like that's great to be a de deodorant guy, but you got to shower occasionally, you know. And so we would get into these hockey rooms, and the the gear would be so crusty and so full of like old sweat and hard and crusty that we'd have to like get it on and to be like, uh, and then we'd have to loosen it up and sweat into it so that it would feel right. If you don't think humans are pigs, just go into a 13 year old boys. And like morally, it's not great in there either. I'm just telling you the hockey room. Okay. Now I had a friend named Graham who actually lives in California right now. And, uh, his hockey bag was like next level nasty. So he would come in, we'd already be like, it, we'd be living in our own filth and he'd open his hockey bag and we'd be like, Graham, man, what is wrong with you? 
And so you, that might be you. You might feel like Graham. You're like, this church doesn't even know. I, was, I didn't get hit by lightning when I came in here. I used to work with people just like you. We love you. We made this church for you. Don't worry about it. Your hockey bag smells gross, but so does everybody else's. So. Um, now, now, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. What I've never seen in a pig pen, uh, as, as pigs input things, and I'm going to talk uh, in human terms here, as, as pigs in, input things and output other things, what I've never seen is a pig with those little hooves grab a shovel and empty the sty of the output from the input. Y'all aren't farmers? Are there any farmers here, like farmers, ranchers? I call farmers like anybody who like doesn't live in cities. So I talked to somebody who's like, well, we're not farmers because we have animals. And I'm like, well, what do you call yourselves? That, you know, because I thought that everybody who doesn't live in cities is a farmer. I'm not a farmer. That's fine. And so, have you ever seen a pig clean out their own pigsty? And so as we're talking about the human condition, this is sort of indicative of the human condition. Let me just explain it. Because we input sin, right? So we eat sin. And, uh, you know, some Christians are weird. You come to church and they're like, sin wasn't any fun. That's why I'm so holy. Um, And then you have Chad Ferguson who's like, sin was definitely fun. That's what the problem was. Is that it? And if it's not fun, you're not doing it right. Like, what's it? But the output of sin, you ready? So we input sin, the output of sin, and you were born in inputting sin. So your sin was passed to you from your father, so you inherited sin. So you input sin and output. Now, the output of sin is separation. Okay, so separation, consequences, you reap what you sow, uh, death of relationships, death of good, death of light, you know, things like that. So, so as we, we input sin in society, but here's the problem. What we're trying to do, what we don't understand about sin is that sin piles up and accumulates, but we as pigs, <laughs> I know this is tough. We, we don't want to, but even if we wanted to, we couldn't actually physically with our little hooves clear out the pig pen from the output of sin. So just give me a sec here. It accumulates and accumulates. So what we do as humans is we're like, okay, we know what we'll do Uh, with all this bad happening. We'll do good because that will take care of the bad. But no matter how much good you can build a hospital, but you're still building it in a pig pen full of the accumulation of sin, right? So you can plant flowers, but the sin is still there. You can build more pig pen. It's still sin. And so, and so, and, and we believe, see, the Bible says, this is the gospel of Christ. It's so simple. It says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Meaning, the only thing that cleans out the pig pen is when blood is shed. That's why in the Old Testament, sheep were sacrificed. And it's not because people were like crazy maniacs just wanting to kill animals. No, it's because your life is forfeit with your sin because what accord, it says in the word of God, has light with darkness. And so this is just the gospel message. What would connect you to a perfectly holy God when sin is in the pig pen? So so Jesus is sent down from God, the pure and spotless lamb of God, without the shedding of blood, there's no, his blood is shed so that sin is finally removed out of the pig pen so that when God sees you, he doesn't see you in your piggish state. He sees Christ. Does that make sense? But it costs the life. The pure and spotless lamb of God. Is that, is that helping you? So sometimes we're a little bit piggish, but today I'm going to really be talking about, about sheep. And when I say the prodigal, see the prodigal starts as kind of a sheep and that might be your story. You know, starts as a sheep in his father's house and then eventually ends up in the pig pen where some of our decisions end up kind of taking us. But, um, now pigs have a lot of fun living in their own stuff. There, we'll just call it stuff. And don't want to leave, right? 
Um, and that's been you at some point in your life, and it's been me. Sheep have a great home that they easily wander from. It's important to notice that when God calls you sheep, when he calls you sheep, he's thinking about sheep like farmer, well, you know what I mean, like whoever has sheep. He's thinking about sheep, not like you're thinking about sheep, if you've never actually been around sheep. He's thinking about, because Jesus would tell these stories to drive points home about the society they lived in. So he's talking about sheep. And when, and when it's like all of us like sheep have strayed away, they're not thinking what you're thinking about sheep if you've never been around sheep. And uh, I was a shepherd. I was a shepherd for uh, one week of my life. And I'm going to tell you what sheep are really like. Um, this is what Clark says. Um, is, it isn't strange that a sheep would be lost. Uh, and when, when I say sheep, you need to internalize this and say, it's not weird that I would be lost. Um, no creature strays more easily than a sheep. None is more heedless and none so incapable of finding its way back to the flock. He says, when once gone astray, it will bleed for the flock and still run on in an opposite direction to the place where the flock is. This I have often noticed. So as he's, he's, as he's commentating on this, he's like, okay, I've lived around sheep. Sheep are easily, they easily stray. They have this great home and this great flock, and they have, but they easily wander off. And when they wander off, there's something in us that the... the we just wandered from there, but we just have such a trouble finding, like, we'll bleed for the flock. We're like, hey, I'm trying to belong. This is what we're doing in society right now. Like, hey, I'm just trying to belong somewhere. I'm just trying to connect. And the, the flock is back here, but we're so incapable of finding our way back. And if you think of yourself as not a sheep, you, you won't really understand when God is trying to correct you and bring you back. Because you'll think that you're actually going in the right direction when you're not, because that's, you know, how incapable. And he's like, I, I watch this all the time. And to realize that about yourself, is this, so just let this word of God go into you. Um, so when I was a shepherd, um, so I, I, I worked on a farm, but I wasn't clearly, I wasn't a farmer. Um, but the business was out on a farm and the, the family went away for a week and um, I had to look after the farm. So they had pheasants and sheep. Um, yeah, I think that's what they had for animals. Oh, I milked a cow. It took me 45 minutes my first time. <laughs> Six-year-old Richard Cope, my dad, would be like, if he was dead, he would roll over in his grave, but he's not. <laughs> he's like, 45 minutes to milk one cow? I had a cow when I was, I think he had a cow when he was five or six. Like, that was his cow to, anyways, I'm disappointment, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, so I, the, the, the shepherdess, her name was Gwen, so she showed me, Every day at this time, the sheep go out and it's lunchtime. So they go out for an hour. And so she goes down. She's like, here's what you do. You go down. She opens the gate. They all know it's lunchtime, right? It's like, oh, we're hungry. And oh, here she is. They open, she opens the gate and they just ran around the pheasant pens and all the way around and then out into the field and they ate lunch. And then at the end of that, she would stand at, on the hill, her house was on a hill and just open the front door and yell out the front door. And all the sheep would be like, oh, lunchtime is over. And they would trot back. And I'm like, that's not bad. That'll only add like, you know, five minutes onto each end of that hour or so. So I go out there the first day. They're not there. And I open the, the sheep. I open the, the gate of the pen. And I'm like, come on, guys. And like, I think one sheep looked up. I was like, who are you? I'm like, it's lunchtime. Like, why do you care who's working at McDonald's? Right? Like, I'm like, it's lunchtime, guys. And they're like, we're sheep. We don't speak English. Why do you keep talking to us? I'm like, come on, guys. Let's go. You know, I'm like, uh. So I'm like, come on, you idiots. Like, let's go. 
So I finally walk in there and they're like, oh, dude, you're in our space now. Like, what's happening? They start getting a little panicky. I'm like, it's lunchtime. It's the lunchtime. Every day this happens at the same time. So I start like trying to get them out there and I chase them out of this because I could kind of corral them a bit. So I chase all these sheep out and then they're standing just outside of the pen and they're like, what now? I'm like, what? Start walking. Like, so finally I'm just like, start kind of chasing them and hurt, you know, human hurting them, I guess. And I, I, here's what I would say. The other service didn't hear it. Here's what I would say. Some churches are designed where the pastors herd the sheep. Ours aren't. Ours are designed where the pastor leads the sheep. It's very different. It doesn't really work very well. Like, run around. Please, please come to church. Please do the thing. Uh, no. So it, that was for free. So I finally get them out. And then one sheep is like, hey, maybe it's lunchtime. Maybe we should go where we always go. And they go. And when one sheep goes, the other sheep follow. And so, so they, they go around. They go out there. And so an hour later, I, I stand in the same spot as Gwen would stand. And I'm like, you know, like, lunch is over. Or like, stupid sheep or something. And like, none of them looked up. And like nothing, I'm like, come on. So I got in the truck and I had to drive all the way around to the field. So I get around to the field and I'm like, how do I get these sheep back in? Right? So, so I started like kind of hurting them. And then the neighbors, uh, no, then the farmer's dog shows up and every farm had a dog named Tippy back then. And Tippy was like a mix of maybe dog and a lot of stupid. <laughs> so like, they're like not intelligent. They were just there. I don't know why they were there. So Tippy runs in and I'm like, maybe it's a sheepdog because I watch TV, right? I'm like, maybe it's one of those sheepdogs. And I'm like, come on, Tippy, help me. Help me with the sheep. Help me with the sheep, right? So Tippy helps me with the sheep by, Tippy just loses his mind and starts barking and runs right through the middle of them and the sheep just go, boom. I'm like, oh Lord. Oh no, 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 no. And the sheep just bolt and they are panicking and they are running. And one sheep decides that it's going to see how fast it can run through a barbed wire fence. And every sheep is like, great idea. Every single one of them went through that fence in the same spot. I don't know how they got through there. The, the fence was broken and it just went, it was just like slamming back and forth. And I had an epiphany that, that in Sunday school when God called us sheep, that it wasn't because we were cute and cuddly. It's because we were fast and really stupid. And I'm like, that's what he meant? That's what he meant. It's lunchtime again, and they still don't get it. And they're fast and panicky. And if one goes off in here, that seems like a good... In 2006, one sheep decided that it was a good idea to try to cross a 50-foot ravine and tried to Bart Simpson the, the Springfield Gorge, right? And didn't make it. And so the 1,500 sheep behind thought they'd try it too. I'm preaching about Canadian society right now, by the way. Why don't we see where people are jumping before we jump? Like, hey, is this working out? Let's see if Bart makes it. Right, but now, because we're sheep. So there's so much confusion right now in society about, like, morality and all the things. And, and one of us jumps and the rest of us are like, hey, they need support. And they supported them. Only 1,100 sheep made it that day. And they didn't make it make it. They had to get pulled out of the gorge because they landed on 400 pillows that took one for the team. Because one sheep thought it could jump 50 feet. The human condition. The human condition. Can you imagine being the shepherd on, on duty that day? I'd be like, I don't feel well. I'm going home. <laughs> like, we need to pull 1,500 sheep out of a ravine. Why are they in the ravine? They're sheep, man. 
Sheep are a, a, a flight or a prey animal. Now, I know that to feel good, we're like, hey, we're top of the evolutionary whatever. And I'm like, spiritually, though, you're not. Spiritually, you were made just a little lower than the angels. But when we sold ourselves to sin, that really spiritually puts us quite low, except until we connect with God, our Savior, who like lifts us back up, right? So you have to understand your natural instinct is to run away from the enemy and to flee situations. Um, here's one thing that I found fascinating, that the tracks of sheep are never straight because when they're walking, particularly by themselves, they're so worried that their path, their pass is going to catch them. They're so worried that something from behind is going to catch them that they're constantly like this. And so then they wander. And the only thing that keeps the sheep's uh, track straight is, is when the, they've been to freedom group and they've resolved the past and then they follow their shepherd. Isn't that powerful? You don't know if you should be clapping because you're like, I'm doing that right now though. Okay. Um, here's something that's funny of sheep eyesight. So they have this like, huge visual thing because they're prey animals. So from 190 degrees, they can see anywhere from 190 to de 91 degrees. I don't know who, like how they got the one in there. Like, no, that's a one. 191 degrees up right up to 306 degrees of vision, depending on how well they've been sheared around their face, depending on how many sermons they listened to that month. That's why sermons hurt, because it's like God is pruning back. Isn't that powerful? Like, you gotta let me, let me touch your face. I'll preach this in your face, I'll preach this in your face. I'm like, baby bird feed you. No, I don't know, this is getting weird. It's like, that's why it hurts though, is because it's around sensitive places and sensitive areas, but when that's cleared back, then, then you don't have to guess what's going on in your life. You can see what's going on in your life. You can see what's going on in your kids. You don't have to guess because there's not all these, like, it's not fuzzy, right? Isn't that powerful? Um, sheep have, we have poor depth perception. We are reluctant to go where we can't see. And everything in now is like, hey, 30 year plan your life. And God's like, no, you can't really see that far. And you're reluctant to go there. So what's better is just following a shepherd day by day. Like get to a small group and just follow, you know what I mean? Just follow. Um, my mom used to say to me, I'm back to the shearing faces thing. My mom used to say to me, how come like you never sit still and you're squirming all the time. But when you get your hair cut by Auntie Janice, like how come you never move? And I'm like, that's because she cuts my ears. <laughs> She's like, that's why you sit still still. I'm like, yeah, she still gets my ears sometimes. Have you ever had your aunt cut your hair? And yeah, I thought that was funnier than the way that you didn't laugh about it. <laughs> A little hurt. Um, hurt. My feelings are hurt. I'm going to preach the rest of this hurt. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Do you, do you like that? I'm just going to be hurt. Um. <laughs> Man, your pastor gets his feelings hurt a lot. Yeah. Um, sheep have a, we have a high pain tolerance. Uh, we don't show pain or we appear more. I was just being vulnerable. Um, we don't show pain or we appear more vulnerable to predators. So one time my dad fell off a ladder and my mom races over. She's like, Richard, are you okay? And he rolled into a bunch of bushes. <laughs> so all she could hear from the bushes was like, go away. <laughs> you know, it's just so like, I'm hurting, but I'm not going to tell you. Like, it's, you know, it's just, it's just how we're wired. Like, I'm going to be strong. And we're like, uh. here's, here's, here's the last thing I'll share about sheep. And this is powerful. Is that you can tell a sheep is healthy by how, how much they eat by their appetites. Cause a good, healthy sheep is always hungry. A good, healthy sheep is always chewing their cud. They're always eating. They're always 
reading the word of God. They're always listening to the sermon again. They're always like going to small group. You know, a good sheep, if, if I, people want to come and give me revelations. When, when I look at them and I'm like, you're trying to feed me, but you're so, you know, spiritually skinny that I don't feel like this is working. You're trying to give me revelation, but you're not healthy because you're not eating. So if you don't go to church and you're not connecting the body of Christ and you're not committed and you're not giving and you're not serving, I'm like, I don't think you're healthy because you're not really eating. You know, you're just trying to we eat a lot of McDonald's, but we're not like eating, I hate to say it, but salads and stuff, you know? Um, I hate salads. If you're new, yeah. Salads and vegetables are what food eats. So, and if you're vegetarian, like shut up, you're healthier than we are and like we get it, but whatever. Okay. So, um, so Luke chapter uh, 15, it says to illustrate this point further, we're still in the book of Luke to illustrate this point further. Um, like the story of the lost sheep, which we just heard last week, uh, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Uh, so his father agreed to divide the wealth between his sons. So, you know, um, so I'm in, in a firstborn. So we have any firstborns in the house? Yeah. We would never basically tell dad, like, you're not dying fast enough. We want your money. But you younger kids, man, there is something wrong. My brother Ryan, I could see him saying that. 100%. You don't know him, that's why. I'm going to take stabs at younger brothers here a bit. Even though the story kind of comes back on the older brother a little bit. So the younger son is like basically like, Dad, you didn't die quick enough. I want all your stuff. Um, and then the father agrees to divide this. Now, now biblically, I think, you know... There's so much in the world that is not biblical anymore, but it says to hear biblically how you're supposed to actually divide the inheritance is that the firstborn was supposed to get the double portion. So twice as much as any of the other kids. Yeah. Right. And so biblically, I mean, if we love Jesus and want to return to the scriptures, biblically, this is just one of those things. I got to talk to my dad about his will and be like, biblically, dad, you know, Ryan, you know what he's going to do. He's going to end up in a pig pen anyways. You know, Ryan. Um, well, the firstborn would get the double portion because the firstborn also was responsible for the business and the, and mom and dad as well, because you know, Ryan's not going to do it. A few days later, <laughs> oh, I love him. If he was here, he'd have something to say. He's very clever, but he's not. And uh, nobody's going to give him a microphone here. So um, a few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there wasted all his money in wild living. So here's what I want to say. Some, some of us are, are we're coming from that lifestyle where we, we end up in a pig pen here. You'll see some of us actually came from church, though. Can I say this? Can I just I just need to preach this in here. It's going to hurt your feelings a little. Some of us, we came from church and then we left church and we fire sailed the inheritance as much as we could. So we took the confidence and the talent and the security and all the things that you get from being in the house of God. And, and we fire sailed what we could and we left to make our own way out in the world or to experience sin or whatever that looks like for some of us here. Um, but the trouble is the minute that we left, a famine started in our lives. And I saw a lot of Christians in COVID starving because they left the house of God or they had left before. The minute that you leave the house of God, what happens is a famine in your, in your soul starts. Because you can't take servants with you, you can't take fields with you, and you can't take um, the animals with you. 
So you lose all of your ability for a recurring harvest. All you take is what you can eat. And if you eat your seed, and if, you know, I mean, this guy was going out to party, right? And so you don't like, hey, shots, you know, it's like, hey, I just need to go and feed 200 sheep and then shots, you know, don't act, don't act like you don't know what shots are. <laughs> don't even, I will call you out. There's so many names I want to say. Okay. So it's just interesting though, that the famine actually starts. If you did grow up in the house of God, you can take some of the things, but, but you don't take the ability to create a recurring harvest because you stop sowing the day that you left. You stop sowing and, and sooner or later you reap what you sow. About the time the money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. And so that's what happened to a lot of Christians in COVID who were like, hey, I believe in God, but not in his church. And God's like, I don't know that I gave you that option, but my house was where I was feeding you and feeding your families. And so, but I saw a lot of people do what Isaac did and they stayed in a land of famine Look, we were all tempted to move someplace warm. Like, I get it. But they stayed in a land of famine, and they sowed in a land of famine, and they reaped a hundredfold in a land of famine. And I watched a lot of venue people who got it and got the, got the importance of God's house do really well. Um, now, he persuaded a local farmer when the famine hit to hire him, so the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. And I think this is just a massive waste of talent because this young man has been so exposed to a big operation, he could have run that whole thing, but in spite of all his talent, come on, I'm preaching to somebody, in spite of all his talent, he still ends up feeding the pigs. Um, he became so hungry, even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but nobody, no one gave him anything. Another version says, like, no, no man gave him any food in that sense. And so I was talking with, I think, Lee about this. Is he in the house? Um, he's over here. Okay. He's not going to raise his hand because he's like, what's coming next? I don't know what's coming next. Um, we're talking about that, and it's kind of heartbreaking to hear, like, nobody fed him anything. But I was thinking about this. I was thinking, yet his hunger drove him back. And there's something about that, that I, look, we feed poor, the poor, we help people, we, we do all those things. Yet there is in the soul a necessary hunger to bring, to bring somebody back to the house of God or bring somebody home. Let, let hunger drive even your own soul back. And sometimes, you know, our, our moms enable us a little too much and feed us down in the pig pen. It's very interesting that the father doesn't go to the pig pen, though. He doesn't go to the pig pen. There's a difference. There's a difference. And because um, fathers are whole, our father God is holy. He's not going to go down into the sin where you are. Um, and so that's, that's quite interesting there. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home. Now, now somebody, you might just be a prodigal. This might be your first experience in church. And you're like, this could be home. I could belong to Jesus. I could be adopted into this fam. You don't know where I came from. We're like, we don't care. Like this is as available to you as it is for anybody. Christ died for the whole world and he loves you and he knows you. He's been calling you by his, there's something inside of you just burning right now. You're like, no, it couldn't. Yes, it could. Yes, we have experienced the great grace of God and we want you just to come home. And there's some of us though, we, we left the church a long time ago. We got all disenchanted and whatever and we got all hurt. I'm so tired of hearing Christians getting hurt. Then go get healed. Jesus is Jehovah Rapha, then go get healed. You know what I'm saying? Go to the doctor and get healed. Sing some worship and get healed. I've, you know who gets hurt in the, more than anybody? The shepherd, because we get bit a lot. But I love you and I'm not going to be bitter. And I, I don't, I'm not hurt. God blesses me and God heals me. Isn't that good? Yeah, we bite people. Um, not the, yeah, whatever. 
He says, um, I'll go home and say to my father, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. It's true. And he needed to say it. And you need to say it. You can't just like, it won't go away unless you say it. Now, you don't have the ability to clean out that pig pen. God will do it. You don't have the ability to do that, but you have to admit that it's there. Uh, if you can't ad- ad- confess your sins, like, yeah, that's me and it's sin, then, you know, we can't connect with God. Because he, he's like, I can't heal you unless you say that you're sick. And that's all that we're saying. Um, I've sinned against heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to, of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. I, it's somebody's day today. I think it's a bunch of people's day today. And I want you to do it even during the last song or go and get prayed for or go and get prayed for during this song or just do it where you're, you're seated. Um, you just need to come home. Don't overthink it. Just don't overthink it. Just come home. While he was a long way off, his father saw him coming home. A long way off. You know, church people, I was thinking about this in a different way. Shouldn't the father have been working in the fields? The older brother, we'll see, was working in the fields. Like sometimes church people, I think we have to work in the field of the city so that the father can be watching. We free his time up to watch for the one that he really wants to come home. And uh, look, the Holy Spirit does all the heavy lifting here anyways, but we serve so that the father can just be like, I, a long, and if that's you, a long way off, he saw you, he saw you walk in here. He's like, is that my, is that, is he, he's come. If you lost your son and he'd been gone for a long time and you're like, is that, watch his response, filled with love and compassion. He runs to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Do you see God as somebody who's holy and just letting us suffer for our sins? Or do you see God the Father was just like, yes! His son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. And his father's like, great. Then he says to the servants, quick, bring the finest robes. Put it on him. Get the ring for his fingers. The ring was like a symbol of heritage. The ring was like, welcome back to your inheritance. Welcome home. I'm reinstating you. And then he says, and bring sandals for his feet. Man, he had nothing. And kill the calf. We have been fattening. I have been fattening that hamburger waiting for this day. I've been smoking that. Come on. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. Come on up, worship. He was lost, but now his, he is found. So the party began. And we're not going to do like a, a somber moment after. We're going to do like a straight up praise party afterwards. We're going to sing, I thank God. And just get a little crazy. Meanwhile, the 99th problem was in the field working. The elder son was in the field. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. He asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating. The older brother was angry. Oh, come on, this is, come on, venue, this is for church people. He was angry. His father came out and begged him, like, listen, you can work in the fields of the city, but not go into the house yourself. And his father comes out of the house and he's like, your son is in, your brother's in the house. My son is in the house. And he's like, I'm so busy working the field. We're just like working, 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 working. You know what I'm saying? Then you get this weird attitude. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. Slaved. I've slaved for you. I, I, I volunteer in church too much. I've slaved for you. 
through and be a party. And the father's like, what? Yeah, when the son of yours comes back, squandering your money on prostitutes probably, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, now this is where, elder brother, I'm just going to touch this for a second. Church people, I'm just going to touch this for a second. This is where we need the rod of the shepherd. The father's like, are you kidding me right now? Watch what the father says. The rod is just like, yeah, no, we just need correction. We just need, there's something wrong in our hearts. The father says, look, you've always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. It's been a constant party. And if you want more of a party, go and take from your flocks because it belongs to you. All of this is yours, son of God, daughter. All of this belongs to you. You need health, go get it. You need healing, go get it. All of it belongs to you. You need joy, go and get it. Go and get it from the flock and take it and have a party with your friends. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and now he is found. I want you, if you're lost this morning or maybe you're the older brother and you got a bit lost. I want to repurpose you in church. I want to get you back in the fight. I want to be like, here's a life jacket. I don't want to talk about all the things. Let's go and help somebody. Younger brother, if you've been living with pigs, I'm going to say the same thing to you. Welcome home. You get all the rights of a brother or a daughter, a brother or sister of Jesus. You get all the rights like we have. Here's a life jacket. Let's go help somebody else. And if that's you today, I want you to respond during the song. I want you to respond afterwards. I want you to come back to the Lord. Let me just pray for you. Father, if we need to come back in our hearts, any of us, in any way, Lord, we just lift our hand right now. We just say, Lord, as to me, I need to come back to the house of the Lord. I need to come back. I need to start giving again. I need to start loving again. I need to start serving again. I need to just get my life on track. I just need to come back and be saved by the gracious blood of Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you for always welcoming us home. In Jesus' name, amen.